What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, Mark from Rams up here, episode 230, and we have one thing and one thing only this episode. We have a preview of the Rams-Seahawks game coming up in a second. You can also watch that on the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at LA Rams up. That's our channel. We will have our game picks and additional news over the next couple days before the Ram game, and we'll do another last-minute preview probably late Saturday night just for kicks. Maybe we'll have some additional news on Cooper Cup's situation. I have a feeling he may be going on IR and may miss more than just his Seattle game, unfortunately. But hey, let's get him back for our playoff run in the middle of the season when the schedule eases up a little bit. Just need to win a couple games here in the early stretch. And stealing a win in Seattle would be awesome. And I have my preview coming up here in a second, as well as my prediction. Hi, this is Mariah from Rams Up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hey, Ram fans, let's get into our first game preview of the year. The Rams at Seattle, Sunday afternoon. How have the two teams fared against each other over the years? Game history, Seattle leads 27-24. to That's actually not bad from the Rams' perspective, considering they lost 10 straight at one time. These teams haven't played as much as you think because the Seahawks were originally in the AFC. Pete Carroll is 11-11 versus the Rams, so the Rams have done well against him, relatively speaking. And McVay is 8-5 versus the Carroll-led Seahawks. So this is a team the Rams have done well against over the years. The last time they played, the 2023 season finale, Seahawks beat the Rams 19-16 in overtime. Remember, that was the game that kept the Lions out of the playoffs. And the depleted Rams played them really tough in a game the Seahawks had to win. And that's the type of game this Sunday's game could be as well. Really a gift win for the Seahawks. Felt bad for the Lions in that one. Any games that should be mentioned? Well, let's go back to the 2017 season. The Rams 42, Seattle 7. And this is one of my favorite games. It's just a regular season game, but it was a a kind of a hallmark game for Sean McVay and the Rams. If you remember, the Rams had lost to the Seahawks earlier in the year at the Coliseum. That was the game where... Todd Gurley looked to have scored a touchdown, but the ball was knocked out of his hands just as he got to the end zone, rolled through just over the flag, I think, 
over the pylon, it was ruled a touchback. And rather than being a touchdown, it was uh, a touchback for Seattle. That was Earl Thomas, by the way. Great play by the by the, uh, by the wonderful safety, uh, old-time safety for the Seahawks. And it was just really uh, disheartening. A team that the a game that the Rams really controlled. One of those games where Seattle, they just pull magic out of who knows where. And special plays go their way. It's happened over and over again. And that's what happened in this game. So then they the Rams go to Seattle later in the year. And the Rams were starting to roll. You were starting to feel like this was a good team. Something Ram fans are still getting used to. And this is a game where Michael Silver, the reporter, uh, gave an account of Sean McVay's pregame speech. Probably the shortest and greatest pregame speech I've ever heard. And I'm probably going to mess it up, but it went something like, there's nothing left to say. We're ready. Let's effing go. I cleaned it up a little bit. Rams take the field, and at the end of the first half there, the Rams are dominating. The Rams have the ball at their own 43. Announcers think that they're just going to hand off and, and run out the clock. Hey, and you know what? They did. They did hand off, and Todd Gurley gallops 57 yards for a touchdown. The Rams torch the Seahawks 42-7. to I think the 12th man was leaving at halftime in that game, and that's why... That's when I knew the Sean McVay Los Angeles Rams had truly arrived. This was a good team and a team that looked like it was bordering on being a great team. And so much of that is due to Todd Gurley and his contributions. And I just mentioned that because I think we forget about him, how critical Todd Gurley was to turning this franchise around. I will always have a special place in my heart for him. And I wish the Rams would bring him back. I know that the parting of uh, Gurley and the Rams maybe wasn't as graceful as as some of the other departures the Rams have handled, but I'd love to see Sean, I'd love to see Todd Gurley come back and the Rams have a day for him. That would be awesome. And I think he deserves it. Deserve, and I think he deserves it. The odds in this game, Seattle by five. It's been fluctuating. It was five and a half. Now five. I thought it would be going up with Cooper Cup out. We'll get to that in a minute. The over-under, 46 to 45. I think the latest I saw was 45 points. The weather, hey, you know what? It's L.A. weather. High of 75 and cloudy. The Los Angeles Rams will embrace that. Great time of year to be playing in Seattle because how many times have we have been down there when it's been chilly and wet and breezy. Not this time. It's going to be ideal football weather, maybe even a little warm, but weather that I think uh, will certainly not afford the Seahawks any sort of advantage. That's for sure. What did the Seahawks do last year? Well, they finished nine and eight, second place in the NFC West, and then they lost that wild card playoff game to the 49ers, 41 to 23. Hung pretty tight in the first half. These two teams are are serious rivals, and you figured it would be close for a little bit, and it was, but then the 49ers had their way in the second half. They were the 13th ranked offense overall, 12th in passing, 18th in rushing, the 7th worst defense, the 3rd worst rushing defense, and that's been a theme there for several years. They have not been able to figure that out. And they are definitely vulnerable against the running attack. 
of any team's running attack, and that's probably what the Rams are going to try to do, see if they can have their way against that defense. And Bobby Wagner's back there playing in the middle of that defense. Don't forget that. Player stats last year, Geno Smith completed almost 70% of his passes, 30 TDs and 11 interceptions. Nobody saw that coming, and it'll be interesting to see if he can repeat that. I have my doubts. I mean, he, he could have a decent year, but I'd really be surprised if he had that kind of year again. Rookie running back Kenneth Walker had over 1,000 yards rushing, a 4.6 average with nine TDs. D- DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, 15 yards apart, 1,048 and 1,033 yards, respectively. The kicking game, two of the best as a pair, Probably the perhaps the best pair in the league, Jason Myers and Michael Dixon. Dixon, of course, is more or less supplanted Johnny Hecker as the best punter in the NFC, in my opinion. As much hoopla about their improvement and their draft, their defense was not that good last year. Jordan Brooks, without Bobby Wagner there, led them in tackles. Uchwena Nowuso, hopefully I got that right, and Daryl Taylor both had nine and a half sacks. And... The big, the big news in Seattle was that rookie cornerback, Tariq Woolen, six interceptions. He's the real deal. He's a guy the Rams are probably going to try to avoid. Very physical, well-rounded cornerback. But um, he's, he's certainly a guy to be concerned with, as is their rookie cornerback. We'll talk about him in a second. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Take a quick look at their coaching staff, Pete Carroll, entering his 13th year there, the former USC coach. Their offensive coordinator is Shane Waldron. Remember, he spent four years with the Rams and their offensive line coach, Andy Dickerson, also a former Rams coach. Nine seasons with the Rams, actually. Key departures from the Seahawks since last year. Quentin Jefferson along the defensive line. He's another guy that spent a little time with the Rams very briefly. Puna Ford, the defensive end left. Devin Bush, Al Woods, and the running back, San Diego State running back, Rashad Penny, has moved on as well. Additions, they signed Draymond Jones from Denver. Free safety Julian Love from the Giants, defensive end Jaron Reed from the Packers, and of course, inside linebacker Bobby Wagner returns. And I'm sure he's very happy about that, as are the Seattle faithful, that 12th man up there. Thrilled to have Bobby Wagner back. Hard to dislike Bobby Wagner. He's a great guy, great player, plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. I just wish. The Rams had been able to do a better during his one year with the Rams. It was kind of disappointing. And, you know, if they had, maybe he would have stayed. But he's looking to finish his career on the upswing and probably didn't see that happening with the Rams this year. But, hey, let's prove him wrong. Their draft picks. They've had two back-to-back drafts that were really good. They surprised a lot of people by taking the cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois Uh, I think the story is Detroit just assumed he was going to fall into their lap and the Seahawks grabbed him. Not a typical Seahawk pick, uh, but he is supposed to be uh, the real deal. Um, He's a little banged up, may not be able to play in this game, which could be a a big advantage for the Rams, especially with Cooper Cup out. 
but he is a rookie. Maybe you want him out there. Maybe you can exploit him a little bit this early in his career. They also drafted the wide receiver Jackson Smith-Nijigba, who is returning from wrist surgery a lot quicker than people expect it. He should play. Doubt that he's going to be 100%. And outside linebacker Derek Hall, he's was limited in practice Thursday. as uh, in, He was limited in practice Wednesday. So it's up in there whether he's going to play. And then the running back, a lot of us loved uh, Tom Quartz and um, Paul Wallia both would have loved this guy uh, on the Rams. Running back Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, just a multifaceted running back that can do a little bit of everything. And I suspect the Seahawk attack will be probably 65% Kenneth Walker, 35% Zach Charbonnet. They'll have a running back by committee there, something the Seahawks are famous for. They very rarely rely on a single back. Uh, like some of the other teams do. And, and that's becoming more and more common across the NFL, of course, which is why in fantasy football, <laughs> running backs are not the the number one priority like they were years ago, that's for sure. And they also have an undrafted player on their squad that we should keep an eye out for. That's Jake Bobo, the six foot four wide receiver out of UCLA. Not sure if he's going to impact games, get a lot of snaps early in the season, especially with this wide receiver, starting wide receiver set they have with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the rookie Najigba. Where does Jake Bobo fit in? Maybe in the red zone. We'll have to see. But that's that's a rundown on what this roster looks like at this point. I mean, the key players have pretty much already talked about all of them, right? You got Geno Smith, the quarterback, trying to repeat his performance from last year. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, their left tackle, Charles Cross, uh, a guy they drafted last year. He played very well. And that's uh, been a weakness along this uh, offensive line for years, Uh, just the ability to run and pass block. They've just been very average, and that's why they went and got Charles Cross, and he has improved that unit. But I still think it is – I think the Rams offensive line over the Seattle offensive line at this point. And on defense, they got Jamal Adams, of course, who will likely miss this game. I think he's been ruled out officially. And then uh, Bobby Wagner and then the uh, Tariq Woolen. And they also have, as I mentioned, the rookie Devin Witherspoon. We'll see if he plays and if he's an impact. Uh, Jordan Brooks was their leading tackler, tackler last year. He'll be placed alongside Bobby Wagner again, like like they were two years ago. So they'll have a pretty good core on the inside, decent cornerbacks, young, I should say young and good cornerbacks, uh, just not sure about their um, their ability to stop the run up the middle. That's going to be the biggest question for the Seahawks. So what are my fearsome four keys to the game? What are the keys to the Rams coming out of Seattle with a win like they have many times before? Well, fearsome key number one, the Rams are going to have to stop that rushing attack. I mean, the the passing attack with Geno Smith and those receivers is going to be one thing, uh, but they have to contain the rushing game first, Kenneth Walker and probably a little bit of Zach Charbonnet. And that's something, uh, that's a spot where the Rams are probably vulnerable until they prove otherwise. Aaron Donald, Kobe Turner, Bobby Brown, is that who they're going to run out there? Uh, we're going to rotate in some other guys, Jonah Williams probably. Um, but they, the Rams have a lot to prove up front defending the run, and Seattle is going to try to run it down their throat. 
and the Rams have to, they don't have to totally shut down the Seattle running game, but they have to do a decent job of limiting that and uh, putting in, putting uh, the Seahawks in some third and longs. That's all we can hope for. And then get after the quarterback a little bit, hopefully. For some key number two, it's kind of the same deal with Cooper Cup out. The Rams are going to have to be able to run the ball against Seattle, and they should be able to. They better be able to. They have to run the ball successfully against this team, and that'll set, set up some play action for Matthew Stafford. If the Rams come out and, and start handing the ball off to Cam Akers and he's getting 2.5 yards per carry, the Rams are going to be in trouble. So they got to establish that run game. Uh, that doesn't mean necessarily, sometimes they fall in a trap of just running it on first down. Hey, how about some play action on first down? Don't be afraid to throw on first down. That'll help the run game in the long term. Get 2-2 at well, stretch the field a little bit. Rams got to do whatever they can to establish the run game. I'm sure Sean McVay has some new wrinkles, some new tactics, some new strategies to make that happen. Uh, if, if they're not successful, it's going to be a long day against the Seattle team. Fearsome key number three, it's about Geno Smith. Um, is he really that good of a quarterback that what the stats reflected last year? And I'm not still not sold. And I hate to, you know, question a guy like that who he he put up the numbers, he proved all the naysayers wrong. He is a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. But is he the type of guy that can carry a team to the playoffs and win some games in the playoffs? Is he the type of guy that can put up those types of numbers two years in a row? And the Rams' defense is it is not really that big of a challenge for a guy like this. It shouldn't be. So if he can have a decent game and have those kinds of numbers, like 65% completion percentage like he did last year, it was almost 70% then uh, the Seahawks are going to struggle. So Rams have to find a way to disrupt him. If he has those kinds of numbers in this game, Rams will be in trouble once and once again. So they, uh, Rams have their challenges on defense, stopping the running game and making sure Geno Smith isn't just slinging it for a 65-70% completion rate. Uh, if they do one or both of those things, Rams are going to be it. The Rams' defense is going to be in for a long day, and it's also going to limit the Rams' offense's opportunities. This could be a high-scoring game. Uh, Rams need some chances on offense, and if Seattle just pecks away at this Rams' defense, runs the ball down their throat, puts together 15 play drives that eat up eight minutes, um, that's not going to work in the Rams' favor. The fourth thing, here's some key number four, is there a Ram receiver or two that can step up and help out Matthew Stafford? This defense has good cornerbacks. It's going to be a challenge for Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Demarcus Robinson, Puka Nakua. He's probably going to get some snaps, I would assume. Uh, it, someone's going to have to step up, and and that means also being in sync with Matthew Stafford. Hopefully they have that figured out. There's nothing like watching Stafford and Cup work together. They are so polished and so in sync. And, you know, if they're not in sync with Matthew Stafford, you can't really necessarily ding them because they haven't played that much together, a lot of these guys, uh, especially Robinson and Naku. I left out Ben Skaronic. He'll probably be out there a bit too. 
But um, we just have to hope they are in sync, and we have to hope one of these guys steps up and has a decent game, uh, yards after the catch, maybe a couple big plays. That would really help. So what's my final word on this game? The Rams' rushing attack has to be good, and they have to limit the Seahawks' rushing game. That's kind of old-school, no-brainer football, right? But I think it may come down to who can finish drives. Both these offenses are going to move the ball, and they're going to have a lot of red zone trips. It come, may come down to who can force field goals, which teams hold up in the red zone. And the Rams in past years have been pretty good at that. Ben, don't break. Make them kick a field goal. Hold up inside the 10-yard line. And, you know, the Rams haven't been especially good at finishing drives themselves. So the team that can finish drives and not kick field goals could be the team that wins this game. And and that could be in Seattle's favor right now. Uh, I think punters, it could actually be even Ethan Evans and Michael Dixon. But you talk about the kickers, Jason Myers versus Brett Maurer. Uh, I don't know. At least it's good weather. Uh, Brett Maurer uh, on his rehab tour with the Rams, maybe he can step up and have a good game if these – Teams are forced to kick field goals. Right now, it's probably edge Seattle. Even more reason, the Rams have to finish drives and force field goals when they're on defense. My prediction, the over-under is 45-46. I came up with the score pretty on spot with that. I would go the over in this game for for sure. If you're betting the over-under, take the over. And I took the slight over Los Angeles Rams 24, Seattle Seahawks 23. That's what I'm rolling with, and we'll see how I do. I'm sticking my neck out, but at anyone that follows this podcast, you uh, you try to find the last time I picked against the Rams. Have fun with that. It's about as often as an SEC team travels to the West Coast to play a Division One opponent. doesn't happen very often, if ever. Rams 24, Seahawks 23, out here. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. About our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe, Buckeye Bonsai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamahama. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.